Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. It's Friday, January 28th, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and with me today, we have a full house, not only a great hand in poker, but also because we have four of our investment experts instead of the usual three. George Mateo, our chief investment officer, Steve Haight, head of equities, Rajiv Sharma, head of fixed income, and Cindy Honcharenko, fixed income portfolio manager, here with us to provide some additional thoughts on the FOMC meeting this week. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. So it's been a volatile week in the markets. There's been some economic data that came out most recently this morning on ECI as well as PCE, including elevated levels on inflation. GDP was pretty good, finished the year at 6.9% for the fourth quarter but the full year GDP was at 5.7%. So these are pretty good indicators into what the FOMC and Jay Powell are thinking. So with that, we'll go directly to Cindy. If you want to give us a recap on what you think FOMC meeting entailed, we'd be glad to hear some of your thoughts. Cindy? Thanks, Brian. Uh, (laughs) Quite a meeting. First off, I think the highlight is Powell saying we're in a different economy and we have a resilient labor market. So while the statement did not contain any meaningful surprises, it merely rubber stamped the expectations for an imminent rate hike at the March meeting. The press conference set an unequivocal signal that the Fed's view has continued to evolve in a hawkish direction. And two remarks from the chair stood out in my view. The first is that the economy is in a very different place than it was at the onset of the last hiking cycle. As the economy is on a stronger footing, the labor market is healthier and inflation is more elevated. Powell reiterated his comment several times throughout the press conference and crucially said that these differences are likely to have important implications for the appropriate pace of policy adjustments. The second that really stuck out to me is that the US economy and labor market can therefore withstand a fair amount of tightening with quite a bit of room to raise interest rates without threatening the labor market that is by so many measures historically tight. To me, that's a a remarkable comment given Paul's typical cautious predisposition. So he didn't say whether they're going 25 or 50 basis points, he left the door open. Chair Powell refused to be dragged into debate on the likely pace and extent of rate hikes but I read those comments as an indication that the Fed's bias is for more frequent hikes than we had originally anticipated. Right now, we're looking at four hikes. Those are already priced in for 2022, and those hikes are gonna start in March and should occur quarterly. Now, there are some shops that have been starting to price in six. I I was on a call at, earlier this morning with another shop that is now pulling forward seven 25 basis point rate hikes for 2022. It's changing by the minute. So, you know, we continue to move toward March 
there, there is some talk about 50 basis points. Right now, the market's not pricing that in. If anything, there's possibly a 15 to 20% chance of that happening at March. But again, I think that Powell's going to stick with the 25 and then just hike more frequently. So we're looking at just about almost every meeting in 2022 as, as a rate hike. Some other comments from the press conference. Powell mentioned that the Fed will remain humble and nimble. And that, to me, indicates that they have some uncertainty and that the market, especially the front end, is going to be able to drive them into the direction of how many hikes, how large those hikes will be. So the front end right now is, is dictating what's going to happen. They seem to be challenging the equity market, basically asking the equity market, how much can you front load? on these hikes and can you handle six hikes? Can you handle seven hikes? We don't know how much the equity market's gonna be able to handle here, but I would assume that if we have another 10% drop in the equity market, that the Fed's gonna have to pause and reassess the path. So Cindy, I think that's really interesting. And when you talk about the front end, you're talking about the front end of the yield curve are really short, I guess short-term interest Yeah, the, the very <laughs> short, yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I think people need to be mindful of is that when we look at interest rates, there's a lot of ways to look at interest rates, uh, which is you know why we've got experts like you uh, paying attention to these things. But the short end, as you pointed out, the the two-year treasury, for example, has just skyrocketed the last couple of months, whereas the long-term rates have moved up, but not nearly as much. So you've got short-term interest rates moving up rapidly, long-term rates moving up a little bit, but not nearly as rapidly. And so the difference between those two short-term and long-term interest rates are what we call the yield curve, right? The difference between short-term and long-term rates. Mm -hmm. And that yield curve now has gotten, it's gotten pretty flat, hasn't it? It's gotten really pretty narrow. It has. And typically, I think if, if history is any guide, that typically suggests that maybe, uh, well, we have to talk about it, a recession might be coming at us at some point. So I think it's it's a definitely a transition, but I think the the backdrop is kind of interesting right now, too, in the sense that inflation is pretty hot, but the economy is really quite hot, too. We didn't, we, Ryan, you threw a, a lot of great acronyms at the beginning, ECI, PCE, FOMC, GDP. <laughs> you know, to me, the takeaway was inflation is really quite hot, but the, the overall economy is still pretty hot, too. So we've got 40-year highs in inflation. We also have 40-year highs in economic growth. And so something's got to give. And I think what Cindy said was really important around, can the Fed let them, or maybe can the market let the Fed do what it thinks it needs to do, or will the, the market revolt? And we'll have to see how that plays out. But I think we're at a really interesting time right now with all these cross currents going on. I'm not, I'm not really ready to put the flag in the ground that says inflation, I'm sorry, that a recession is upon us. But I think we have to be vigilant around how much of a transition are we going through right now? So maybe another way to look at this, I think, is through the lens of what's happening with, with the corporate sector. And, and Steve, maybe you've got a couple of things you could kind of point us to uh, to think about with respect to Q4 earnings. So far, it seems like they've been kind of mixed. I mean, we've seen some companies do quite well. Some companies are able to navigate this inflation situation. Some companies, on the other hand, are, are not. So what, what are you seeing probably at the um, at your level from, uh, from the corporate profit side of things? Yeah, George, I mean, what you said is exactly correct. It's a mixed earnings season so far, and clearly it hasn't been enough in order to help offset the increase in rate expectations. We've seen some companies come in and, and not have any issues whatsoever dealing with 
the supply chain problems. And then we've had quite a few that have had supply chain issues. And so it's not across the board that people are being able to monetize this quote unquote inflationary impulse that we've seen. So um, I think the real story coming out of earnings continues to be the compression that the market is putting on price to earnings multiples. Uh, we've seen that accelerate here during this market sell-off. We're, we're down to just a little over 19 times forward earnings. Uh, we entered the year at around 21 and a half. So uh, we've taken two and a half almost full term, multiple turns off of the market uh, since the turn of the year. And that trend is one which, which was what we expect and what we see when we get into a tightening cycle, multiples compress in tightening cycles. The, the issue that we're dealing with really on the equity market side is the fact that there's been so much froth in certain areas of the market that it seems like there's this rollover factor as those sectors, you know, I, for, for, for lack of a better word, implode uh, as their valuations collapse. And think, think of things like concept finance, concept healthcare, like biotech, stuff like this, unprofitable technology companies. These things have just really gotten whacked. And um, yeah, they, there, there seems to be collateral damage. Yeah, I think, I think we've done a reasonably good job of sidestepping a lot of that damage. I mean, you're right, there's been some aftershocks at the margin, but I went back and looked at what we wrote a couple of years ago when some of these, these unprofitable companies that you talked about, these concept finance companies were really getting going. And I know we've avoided pretty much all of those names, all of those themes, if you will, as well. So our bias towards quality, quality I think, has been really helpful in this environment. Maybe you know, there's been some damage, as you mentioned here, there's, there has been some selling pressure beyond the really speculative names of the market. But I think by having a quality bias, we've been able to minimize the, the impact, so to speak. But let me move over to Rajiv for a second. Cindy did a great job of talking about the treasury market and really what the Fed is thinking. And we have to be very careful now about what the yield curve is telling us. But I think there's another indicator we could watch, Rajiv, with respect to corporate spreads and really corporate the corporate bond market. I think that's oftentimes an indicator we could look towards in terms of the overall feeling towards about the economy, right? So so maybe you could talk a little bit about the, the health of the corporate bond market and what you're seeing there too. Well, with all this volatility that we're seeing in the market, and we're seeing a lot of volatility in the equity market, we're seeing, as you mentioned, the yield curve spiking in the front end, a very aggressive uh, posturing by the Fed. You would expect credit spreads to really be blowing out and, and moving wider, but they aren't. I mean, they they have moved wider over the last couple, couple of weeks into the year. We started the year off with corporate spreads at, uh, at very tight levels. The expectation was that, you know, if if you have an aggressive Fed and you have an equity market that's not liking that, you'll see corporate spreads also start moving wider. We did see widening, but very contained, very manageable, if you will. So if you turn our attention from investment grade spreads and high yield spreads, high yield spreads have, have obviously moved in tandem with the equity market, moved wider, but again, not aggressive. And it's very interesting to me because we've had almost $140 billion in new issuance in January in the investment grade market. And you would think that that's, that's a number that's the third largest January on record. You would think that would cause some strain in the corporate credit market where you'd see spreads start to move wider. It really has not really gone that far. I mean, I think that uh, the market's digested those new deals. We can look at credit default swap index to try to get some uh, indication there. Yes, there's been movement wider there, but still we're in line with where we were in 2020. So... I, I'm really impressed by how manageable the market is as far as credit spreads go, but I'm also concerned that there's going to be a point where if you go to February and you have an, another 
really pronounced month of new issuance, how much this market can digest. And without concessions, I don't know if investors are going to line up for these new deals either. So if the new deals come with concessions, that reprices the entire secondary market and you see spreads moving wider. Certain sectors obviously have not kept up with this manageable credit spread. I think the more riskier the sectors, they've come under, come under pressure. If you, we've talked about this before, George, that triple Bs make up almost 54% of the investor grade market right now. They've come under, they've come under pressure. I think the posturing really from investors right now and, and, our, and our stance as well is to look at higher quality issues, uh, move up in quality and kind of weather the storm a little bit. Well, I think that's a somewhat reassuring note to think about the fact that the overall corporate market is still pretty healthy. And the corporate sector, I think, is also quite healthy as well. I mean, despite the fact that earnings are under a bit of pressure, uh, given some of the wage issues we talked about, given some of the energy prices and raw material prices that we've also talked about are, are crimping margins a little bit. I think the financial health of the, um, the corporate sector is in quite good shape. Similarly, the, uh, the financial health of the consumer sector Consumer balance sheets, for example, are also in the aggregate in pretty good shape too. And then thirdly, financial institutions, uh, their balance sheets are also quite strong as well. So I think we've got a few things that are still positive, but we are definitely going through this period of transition. One last thing just to kind of zero back on though, I think Brian, you wanted to mention one more thing about the overall difference of twos versus tens, or again, the yield curve, I think. You wanted to mention something about that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, George, you opened up the door with the R word on recession. I don't think they were, were there yet, but as, as we often do, let's try to prognosticate for the future. So going back to Rajiv, we talked about the 210 spread, and we've got the, the two-year at about 1.2% and the 10-year at about 1.8. So that's about a 0.65 difference, Rajiv. If right. the Fed hikes a couple times, you know that, that number could get to, to being even, which again, in the past has portended a flat yield curve into a recession. What are your thoughts about the buffer of that 65 basis points lead? Well, there's a lot of talk right now about yield curve flattening, and we've seen the flattening. Uh, the difference, as you mentioned, Brian, between twos and tens is about 65 basis points right now. The Fed is looking at this relationship. There is that fear in the market that the curve could invert. We're not there right now. 65 basis points is enough buffer right now where I don't think anybody's going to panic at this point. But like you mentioned, if we start seeing three rate hikes, let's say three, that buffer is gone at that point if the tenure stays where it is. So the Fed is going to look at that relationship. They're going to they're going to see what do we do to make uh, longer term rates being the 10 year? How do we make that move higher? As you know, the two year is very much dictated by Fed policy. So that's why you're seeing the spike in the two year. I mean, we're seeing the two year at 1.2%. And we've gone up this week, 30 basis points in just two days this week. We've seen the front end of the curve spike up while the long end, which is the 10 years kind of stayed pretty much contained around 1.8 or so. So what can the Fed do to raise rates and not have this curve invert? Because as we mentioned, once the curve inverts and it has to stay inverted for a while, it can't just invert and then and revert. It's got to invert and stay there for a while. That's a strong signal of recession. So what the Fed can do is, is think about this quantitative tightening, reduce their balance sheet. That impacts the tenure at that point. Then we can see the tenure start to rise at that point. And I think that's why QT is on the table for the Fed for the second half of this year. They realize that the fact that the, the curve is getting very flat, they do not wanna see the inversion happen there. And if they can somehow start with their quantitative tightening program, which is the reduction of their Fed balance sheet, you could see that 10 years start to rise up and we go back to a positively sloped yield curve. Fantastic, Rajiv. Great insights from you as well as from George, Steve, and Cindy today. Always great to have everybody on the call to share our insights for our audience. And so thanks to everybody for joining the call today. We appreciate our listeners for joining us as well. And be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, 
Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are offered by KeyBank National Association, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. KeyBank Private Bank and KeyBank Institutional Advisors are part of KeyBank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, member FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA, or KIA. KIS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2021.